Because the reason most people don't start their companies is because they're afraid something tragic will happen to you. And guess what? It does happen. Something tragic will happen to you if you start your own company. And I think what we're going to go into now is do our best to scare you and find out why the worst thing can ha- that can happen to you could become the best thing that ever happened to you if you can hold it in that perspective. That's Robert Kiyosaki. And this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for joining me today as we have a duo of speakers. And today's take home message in this talk is it's actually viewed from a lens of entrepreneurship and owning a business and how some of the inevitable mistakes and pitfalls that will surely come as being a business owner it will surely come but it can also be the birthplace for some of the most important lessons that can lead to your greatest success but as i always say today's message is universal it isn't just from the lens of entrepreneurship and owning a business and it can be used for any facet of your life because the core message is that some of our greatest pains can be the source of some of our greatest breakthroughs. Here's Robert Kiyosaki and Blair Singer. Enjoy. What we're going to go into now is why most people don't start their own companies or what they're afraid of is fear. When I really looked at my greatest weakness is that many times I let fear stop me from doing what I should be doing, what is called focusing on what isn't working instead of focusing on what could work or the glass is half empty instead of half full. And I, th- I would say fear stops me. And I say it stops most people. So what we'd like to do right now, the subject of this tape, this side of the tape is what do you do when the roof caves in on you? Because the reason most people don't start their companies is because they're afraid something tragic will happen to you. And guess what? It does happen. Something tragic will happen to you if you start your own company. And I think what we're going to go into now is do our best to scare you and find out why the worst thing that can happen to you could become the best thing that ever happened to you, if you can hold it in that perspective. So with that, I'd like to have Blair, like I said, before we get into the bright side of things, I think we should address the low side. So Blair, would you mind telling us uh, your fall from graces, should we say? Well, when the roof came caving in, in my, our, my particular situation, we'd started an air freight trucking company based in Los Angeles where we moved expedited air freight from city to city across the United States. We basically started with very little capital, actually no capital, started in debt, and very quickly built, built an over-the-road air freight trucking operation. And it was the type of a thing where my myself and my two partners, we would work late at night loading trucks and moving 18-wheelers out of Los Angeles International Airport, working late into the night. And and we 
our whole thing was to build credibility at Los Angeles International Airport. Could we be a trucking company that would make it, or would we be just another one of these fly-by-night guys that would just show up, take the money, and run? And certainly, we'd build a reputation. We were moving, first we'd move one trailer a night, then we'd move six trailers a night. We were up to 12 trailers a night, and I'll never forget, I was on call this this one particular weekend, and as Robert says, you always fear, you're always hoping that the worst will never happen. And the minute that thought comes in, of course, the worst happens. We were working late. We were loading trucks till about four o'clock in the morning. I was dead dog tired. I went home to my beach house in, in Manhattan Beach. It was Sunday morning. By this, I'd slept all day Saturday. It was Sunday morning. I'm on call. I get a phone call in the morning. And the phone calls a, is a fellow by the name of, this fellow gets on the phone. He says, hi. He goes, you Blair Singer? I said, yep. He goes, he goes, hi, my name's Dallas Nelson. I said, yes. He goes, I'm taking your load from Los Angeles to Chicago. And I said, well, that's great. I said, is it on time? Is the load going to be delivered on time? He says, well, that all depends. I said, depends on what? He says, well, if you ever want to see that freight again, he says, what I want is, he says, I want $50,000 from you right now for that load. And I said, well, I don't owe you $50,000. I said, I owe you $2,000 for the load, which I've already prepaid. He says, I know. He goes, but I've been stung by enough of you Southern California fruitcakes. He goes, I want my money back right now. I said, but I don't owe you the money. He goes, I don't care. He says, I've got five and a half million dollars worth of computer equipment on this truck and I'm holding the truck. And if you don't give me the money now, I'm keeping the freight. And he hung up the phone. So, of course, being an entrepreneur, being a brave business person, I went to my normal mode at that mo- moment, which was panic. I immediately started panicking. I call my, wa- I, my bring my wife into my room, into the room. I'm crying. I'm screaming. I'm calling my partners, and of course, my partner said to me, "Well, you're on call. It's your call." I go, "Thanks for all the support." So, what, from that point on. I began, we began this negotiation with this lunatic that had our truck stuck somewhere in the Midwest and holding it for ransom. He had basically hijacked all of my customers' freight. Now, I had about probably about 50 different customers who had computer equipment on that truck. And the, probably the last thing that I would want to do is to call my customers and say, hey, look, uh, we got a little problem on the delivery times because your freight's just been hijacked, which would probably not have been too good for business. And so, of course trying to do the best that I could to save the business and keep us from getting run out of town, I lied. I basically said, well, the, the truck's a little bit delayed. Um, uh, the truck's broke down. Um, we can't find the driver. Anything I could do to stall for time until we could somehow fig- get some reason with this, with this individual. It came Sunday, and it was Monday the freight was supposed to be delivered. Tuesday the freight was supposed to be delivered. Wednesday the freight was supposed to be delivered. Still not being delivered, and customers were starting to get very, very upset. At that point, the word began to leak out as to what the problem really was. And I'll tell you that at that point, I had, I had five of my biggest customers come to me and said, I'll tell you what, I don't know what's going on with the, the freight, but if that stuff's not delivered by 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, we're pulling all of our business. And being a young company, only in business for, being in business for less than a year, it certainly looked like the roof was caving in. It was at that point, as as Robert was saying earlier, is when you really begin to find out who you are. We really begin to find out what you're made out of. And the way that that ultimately got resolved 
Well, ultimately, it got resolved by the by a little uh, agency of the federal government called the FBI. And the way that we brought that back together is maybe a story for another time. But in fact, it was at that point, it was that that point was the turning point of our entire organization, because we either had a choice to leave, to to stick our tails between our legs and run and to cave into the hijack or we could or we could stand ground. The way that our company responded to it determined the course of our next year's work. Thank you. And again, continuing on, is that uh, what most people are afraid of is failing, and they want to be successful. And the message I'm having right, giving right now is that failing is part of the process of becoming successful. And the reason a lot of people are not successful is because they're afraid of failing, and it's just part of the process. So for mine, really quickly, was as a 29-year-old uh, guy, number one in sales for Xerox, I started a nylon and wallet Velcro business. And for those of you who know what they call surfer wallets, it came in red, blue, green, and yellow, and things like this. And the product did not make, didn't do very well in the market when we first brought it out in 1977. So in 1978, I invented what's called the shoe pocket, which is a little wallet that goes on the shoes of runners. And I bought a four-page, four, full-page, four-color ad in Runner's World magazine and advertised the shoe pocket. And the shoe pocket, we said it was available all over the world, I mean, available at stores everywhere. And so all these runners, which was a new fad in America at the time, looked in this Runner's World magazine, and they see my product called the shoe pocket, which is a little, little nylon and velcro wall that sits on your shoe. They put your shoe you put your keys in, your wall, uh, some money and some change, and it had an ID card in case you dropped dead. The product took off, and all these runners were running to stores all over America to buy the product. There's only one problem with it. There was no product in the market, and that's how we got started. So we're extremely successful. We're, we had been cash short for about a year and a half, struggling, borrowing money and all this, and all of a sudden the product line took off, and we became successful. We were written up in Playboy magazine, Penthouse, Gentleman's Quarterly, Runner's World, uh, Las Vegas, I mean, Bill Cosby stood up on stage and showed off his shoe pocket and our, and our business took off. So we immediately, as young guys, thought, boy, are we successful? We have really done extremely well. We have, we, we, we're, we're famous. And the product started to move and people were buying our nylon wallets. They were buying our shoe pockets. They bought anything we could put out. So we were out there. I was out there now selling and borrowing money. One guy was producing, and the other guy was doing the accounting. So I'm out there borrowing, selling money. I'm borrowing and bringing money back in, and we thought we were successful. You know, all the time I would come in, and finally one day the guy says, we need another $150,000. I said, another $150,000? I said, God, we're, we're several million dollars in debt. We've borrowed. We've got sales to support it. We're going really well. He says, what will the $150,000 do? And this is the guy who was the accountant, and he says, he said, we need $150,000 because that's what we're going to need to keep going. And I said, we got the success going just one more time. Please go out and borrow money one more time. So I went out and borrowed money from my dad. He put his house on the line. I came running back into the office in Honolulu and said, here's $150,000. Will this solve the problem? And the accountant, who was my partner at the time, said, yes, this will definitely solve the problem. And so I went running out, and about two or three months later, all of a sudden our doors start to close, and I can't figure out what's happening. And when I went to my accountant and said, my partner, who was the accountant of the, the comptroller of the company, he said, when it said this would solve the problem, it solved his problems. It didn't solve the company's problems. And what happened was the accountant basically ran off with the money and the company collapsed. And so the message here is that here we were extremely successful, 
but out of money. We were broke. And the reason for that is why I say the number one technical skill an individual and entrepreneur needs is the ability to manage cash flow or know how to read the books. And it was my inability to read the books was a reason I could not see where that money was going. And what the accountant had done was he had borrowed money to keep the company afloat too. So when my $150,000 came in, instead of buying new product with it, which would have leveraged out to another maybe $600,000 in product, what he did with $150,000 was took it and paid off his friends and left the company. So that's my horrifying story. And like I've said, and we went broke. And as Keith says, it was, for him it was 18 months. I really don't know how long it took for me, but the, I think the worst part was, was I lost my self-confidence. I was no longer the success. Uh, at times I was sleeping at my friend's house because I had no money to pay my bills. The nylon and wallet business took off. My competitors got the, got the uh, business because we couldn't, we couldn't ship anymore. And I started to realize that you can be successful in one arena and totally unsuccessful in the other. So again, for me, the number one lesson I learned was number one is my tragic flaw, which is laziness. I should have studied more. I should have studied cash management. And that's when the company went down. On the bright side of it is, what we're going through the rest of the tapes is, is those tragedies. As I said, most people want to be successful, but they're not willing to fail. And since they're not willing to fail, they'll never be successful. And because failure is part of success, is those tragedies that came to us or actually make us strong today. So I would say probably one of the number one skills, personal skills an entrepreneur needs is ability to stand up, dust themselves off, and move on again. So for the rest of the tape here, we're going to be on what we've learned, how we've learned it, and that tragedy does happen occasionally, but the greatest skill you have to have is the ability to turn that tragedy and make it an advantage. Now, on the bright side of the whole thing is we, again, can start talking about what it is, what the benefit of going through such depression was, was we learned some very crucial things in that process. We all had to go through what's called a healing process, a time of mourning, a time of absolute just being with yourself, going, what the heck have I done? Failure is not a noun. In other words, we are not failures. The failure is a verb, and the only reason we fail is because we did something. And the real skill is what a lot of times people do, the reason I wrote a book, if you remember Rich and Happy Don't Go to School, is that school punishes you for making mistakes, and yet if you look at the way human beings learn, the only way we learn is by making mistakes. And so in that mourning period, I think it took me about two years of just really beating myself up, feeling terrible, losing confidence in myself, that we somehow work it out we come up that, geez, we learned something in this process, and maybe we could get smarter. Then the natural curiosity kicks in again, and I began to study. And so out of all that horrifying things that happened to us, they actually have worked out we got stronger in the process, not weaker. So we, we're again talking about that you only fail if you don't learn something from it. That if you actually were courageous enough and gutsy enough and maybe stupid enough, you know, to go against the grain, to rebel, to rebel, you know, so I'm not going to play it safe anymore. I'm going to take a risk. And you go out there, you're going to make mistakes. And mistakes are how we learn. And in that process, in every mistake is a gem of guidance, is a gem of wisdom that if you learn it, your whole, a whole new world will open up for you. So we concurred that the main reason we probably took us so, you know, why we made such, the, the fall was so hard was that we didn't learn from our mistakes. We kept pretending we're 
smart, intelligent, arrogant, wouldn't listen to anybody. And that's why I think the fall from grace was so hard and fast. And the best thing we learned was how to learn. So when we're talking about it, I came out of that whole mess and I, re- I realized I learned from the mistakes. And off that ability to learn from mistakes, you know, we, we all did a course called Money and You. And all Money and You is teaching people how to learn from their mistakes, which comes from the principles of our buttons are fuller. The human beings learn by, you know, going left foot, right foot. There's no straight line. We go left foot, right foot. There's no left foot, wrong foot in the world. And so that's how we learn. And I, I, from out of that failure, we created a, a, a business that taught money in you for 11 through 11 cities throughout the world from that failure. And we made millions off. I made millions off of it. And that's how we all met through this whole process. And the second thing was realizing that my weakest link was cash flow, cash management. I now created a game called Cash Flow, which teaches how you know the most boring subject on planet Earth is probably accounting, and the most frightening subject on Earth is investing. And so out of all that adversity, I now created a game called Cash Flow because I went in and learned it. So I think the first step is healing, letting yourself know that making mistakes and acknowledging yourself for taking the risk, because most people, most of my friends who laughed at me, we lost some friends because a lot of friends don't like hanging out with people who are failures. And interestingly enough, those are the guys who ain't got the guts to take a risk. They're still playing it safe. So we changed friends. But out of that process, we rebounded. Day-to-day was meager existence at times, scraping for a few bucks. But we converted that failure into great learning experiences. And that's the benefit of them. The biggest lesson we can learn, your greatest competitive edge, and this is the name of this tape, is your greatest competitive edge in the world, I don't care if it's in business, I don't care if it's anything, is how fast you take action, make a mistake, correct, and learn. That's your greatest competitive edge today. It's not what you know. It's not what you learned in school, not how good your grades are, not how high your degree was, or not that you were the best salesman in the world. Forget that. What you know is basically obsolete. And the real question is, your greatest competitive edge today is how fast you learn. Big thanks to Robert Kiyosaki and Blair Singer for stopping by. I got this clip from audible.com. It's an audio program, which is entitled The Ultimate Rich Dad Library. And if you'd like to connect with him, you can go to his website, richdad.com. His Instagram is The Real Kiyosaki, and his YouTube channel is entitled The Rich Dad Channel. And his most popular book to date, one that I've read years and years and years ago, actually, my mom bought that for me as a gift long time ago, and uh, it's still as popular as it was then as it is today. And that book is entitled Rich Dad, Poor Dad, 20th Anniversary Edition, What the Rich Teach Their Kids About Money That the Poor and Middle Class Do Not. And Blair Singer also has a book, which I have not read, but that one is entitled Team Code of Honor, The Secrets of Champions in Business and in Life, Rich Dad Advisors. And I'll have links to everything I just mentioned, along with a link to the entire talk. They will be in the show description below. All right. That is a wrap for me. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and I'll see you back here tomorrow. So until then, stay strong. Later. Later.